0: America's Healthcare Challenge on News Talk 1290 is produced by E.D. Bellis and presented by HKG Medicare Solutions, self-funded plan administrators, Renaissance Captive Solutions, the Omaha Press Club, and Caring for People Services. Now, here's your host, Sean McGuire. We are going to repeal and replace horrible, disastrous Obamacare. If we leave Obamacare in place, millions and millions of people will be forced off their plans. And your senators just told me that in your state, you're down to practically no insurers. You can have nobody. You can have nobody. And this is true all over. The insurers are fleeing. The insurers are fleeing. It's a catastrophic situation. And there's nothing to compare anything to because Obamacare won't be around for a year or two. It's, it's gone. So it's not like, oh, gee, they have this. Obamacare is gone. Premiums will continue to soar, double digits and even triple digits in many cases. It will drain our budget and destroy our jobs. Remember all of the broken promises? You can keep your doctor. You can keep your plan. Remember the wise guy, remember the wise guy that essentially said the American people, the so-called architect, the American people are stupid because they approved it.
1: <laughs> That's uh, we're gonna show them. you'll hear that clip. But that is the president going on offense. I have Matt. I have never seen a president operate like this. He is really a deal maker, and we wanted to start coining the phrase "art of the repeal" because it it's going to. This is just the beginning of the negotiation, and if you actually read his book, have you read that book? I have not read the okay. book. I should though. I it's really pretty need good. To. It, it's pretty good. It almost sound. It sounds just like him. Uh, some of the ways that he talks and everything, but there's just he outlines some of the big deals that he made to get get going. But he talks about some of the the parts along along the way, and and one of them is you really just kind of throw something out there and then just let people put put it out there and then you, you go from there. And I think that's where they are. Absolutely.
2: Well, you know, you see this kind of, I don't want to call it a strong arm tactic, but it's what, it's what the president has is the power of the, of the pulpit, right? The, the president has that ability as the president to just take the stage whenever he wants it and put his message out there, however he wants to do it. And you saw president Trump do that in Nashville, Tennessee this week. But you know, what was also what I thought was more effective for me um, you know, from someone who, you know, lives their life predominantly on a, on a university campus these days and someone who is a conservative on a university campus, um, is the way President Trump, what he did, I think it was Monday when he sat down with... Oh, yeah. He sat down, I think they were in. they were in some part of the White House, I'm not, I'm not sure, but he had all these people that were representing um, different areas of the healthcare care system, but then he also had people in there talking about, they were real people, they were real Americans talking about their struggles with Obamacare. One woman talking about how she had to, you know, she was mostly a stay-at-home mom, but she had to go out and get another job just to cover Obamacare. But at the end of the day, it was a net loss from what she was making versus having to pay for Obamacare because she didn't get the subsidies now because her income went up. Wow. Right? The perverse incentives. Right. So what does that actually do? So Obamacare just like like any other socialist you know, uh, policy usually does, is it de-incentivizes the work that someone can do, and it incentivizes people not to work, and it incentivizes people to take government subsidies as opposed to being able to have their own personal responsibility for their finances. But it wasn't just this one woman. It was person after person, and he, and he developed this entire narrative that basically destroyed – the media's narrative right now that Obamacare is great and that Obamacare is working and that there's nothing wrong here. Right.
1: And I mean, he just keeps calling it a disaster, a disaster, disaster. But then that's the headline that starts to come on. It's I I just the style, I believe, of this president is going to be written about in in history books because just the way that he's gone about it has been and and we have technology and all of these new mediums to, to communicate. You can Say what you like about his Twitter habits. <laughs> I think a lot of people probably have a, have opinion on that. But I guess my point is he understands the power of social media to communicate, and well, he uses it whenever he needs to to well, get what he needs to get done. He's
2: not a Washington guy, right? He's not a product of Washington. He hasn't had the uh, you know he hasn't been moderated by all these different special interest groups. He just he's doing whatever he thinks is the right thing to do, whether that be for good, whether that be for bad. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some things with that he does that I disagree with. There's some things that he does that I agree with. But for better or for worse, he's not being influenced by social uh, by special interest groups or, or and he takes he takes his message to social media. And he 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 represents his own sourcing of information and his own sourcing of the news. He he gets his own sources and puts out his own narrative, which oftentimes goes against what the predominant narrative is
1: being put out by the by the media. Right. So some things uh, I, I just did a little research. I, I read the art of the deal, but um, some of the things that always stood out to me is one of them was. uh. The, the the term he uses called fighting back. Essentially, you don't you basically fight back. I think that's probably what got him into the White House. And I think probably was causing him to be a polarizing figure. But he's not the type of person that's just going to sit there and take it. And I think that's refreshing to some people.
2: He's completely un- unapologetic. I mean, you saw uh, four years was it four or eight years prior. Mitt Romney just got destroyed just for being rich. You know, people just the media hate him. You know, There's how can how can a rich person actually represent the views of the people? And I, you know, Donald Trump was unapologetic. You know they went after him. You know we saw the crash and burn on uh, Miss Maddow's, sh- uh, on Rachel Maddow's show of his tax returns. He- he's unapologetic of the money that he makes and his and his wealth. And you know when when they asked him about taxes, and he said, "Yeah, I'm paying as little in taxes as I as I possibly can." Isn't that what everybody else does? Yeah. I mean, he's unapologetic.
1: Which, by the way, that was an interesting side note in that came through was the um, how how much uh, he-, he paid in taxes that flop. Uh, on MSNBC where they released his, his tax return. How, I mean, the person, he's probably paid over paid over $100 million in taxes in his life. I, uh, I would, easily. Yeah, if, I if would he, say maybe more. If, yeah. Just that one year he's he paid, paid $38 million. Million. Maybe he's paid like a billion dollars. Yeah,
2: like, I mean $38 million just in 2005 alone, $38 million. Yeah. I mean- Sorry, folks, but we need (laughs) – the rich are the ones paying for this country. I mean, they really do. The rich are the ones that are paying the bills in this country because most people, most people I know, they get that earned income tax credit. I mean, we make money on taxes,
1: right? So I'm like, yeah. But I was just thinking like if – think about an average person. I wonder if they pay in like a million dollars over their lifetime or somebody with like some moderate success or something like that. Yeah. But that's like a ton of money. Like I, I get, would get upset paying out a million dollars because like there's no way I'm getting a million dollars in return. And yeah. and that's another thing is people don't have a discussion about the value of your, your tax dollars. But some of the concepts he talks about, Matt thinking big, that was one of the things in his book Art of the Deal. Now doing it, let's see if we can apply it to the art of the repeal. <laughs> P- protect your downside, and the upside will take care of itself. Maximize your options. Know your market. Use your leverage. There's the bully pulpit. Like you're, he's definitely using that.
2: Absolutely, and I think what what was the the one you just said? Uh, maximize your leverage, and then uh, your options. Having is your options. Maximize you know, your options. Maximize
1: yeah. your options. And how does he
2: do that? Is he starts out with you know we're gonna? He comes up with these outrageous things that the media runs with, right? But. To me, I've always just seen those kind of outrageous things that he's saying as like a starting point in the negotiation. Yeah, you know, and they,
1: and they talk about that in the book. He, he says, uh, "Max, I've never quote. I never get too attached to one deal or one approach. I keep a lot of balls in the air because most deals fall out no matter how promising they seem." And we've also
2: first. seen that with this with this new bill, right? Right. There's a bunch of different. You
1: hear, you know, whether, if you if you
2: watch a Fox News, as a junkie like I do, or whether you watch any of the other news programs, you know, you're hearing all these different stories you know Rand. uh excuse me paul ryan for example says this is a binary choice right we don't have no options one or the other but then if you hear Rand paul after he got out of a interview uh, after he got out of a meeting with president trump he's saying well president trump didn't frame it that way president trump's saying he's willing to listen to all sides and any sides and whoever wants to talk to him about something so it seems to me like he's always open to negotiate
1: yeah uh seven get the word out Eight, fight back, like I said. And he says, quote, in most cases, I'm very easy to get along with. I'm very good to people who are good to me. But when people treat me badly or unfairly, I try, or try to take advantage of me. My general attitude all my life has been to fight back very hard. <laughs> and he's living up. I mean, this is him in the 80s saying this. So, like, this is nothing new. This is who who he is as a person. Number nine, Matt, this is the most important. Deliver the goods. And this is the ultimate question. Can he deliver the goods? on health care and then 10 contain the costs those are kind of kind of the the big ones i think
2: there. he's from from where he's sitting and what his uh, what he can do as the president i think he's already started to deliver on those promises that he made on the campaign trail i mean a lot of things that he's already delivered on you can't see uh you know the regulations some i i, I heard a figure of some 1200 regulations he's already gotten rid of Uh, that were on businesses that were on american businesses that were making it hard for them to compete on the global market and he has gotten rid of those things and that's why you see yellen uh talking about raising the interest rates probably every single time she gets a shot she's going to raise those interest rates but guess what you saw no reaction in the stock market over the week, none whatsoever. Why? Because it's not happening concurrent with all these regulations. Yeah. You know, these businesses are seeing regulations coming down, and they're saying, "Okay, well, we could probably eat at have a quarter of a percentage interest rate hike because we've got all these regulations, and we're going to. Yeah, we're not having
1: to spend money to comply with.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So for them, it's a it's a, it's there's no there's no net gain or net loss. It's it's even. They're breaking even on it. So you're not going to see the stock market get ready to crash every single time.
1: During President Obama's- But it would during Obama because they would just-, all, just they yes, all they had to do was mention it. All they had to do was
2: say, hey, we might- Right, right. And, then and the, all and of a sudden the stock market would go be... down like four or 500 points over the week. Well, and they now they say, we're definitely going to raise it. And the stock market doesn't even hiccup.
1: Nothing yeah. happens. Because there's actually economic policies and somewhat of a certainty that's out right. there. And- if you want uh, more on that, you should check out some of the columns on our on our website where we explain that. Let's take uh, our time out last time out of of the game here, and when we come back, we're going to give you our final thoughts and read some of the comments from our Facebook page, facebook.com/america's healthcare challenge, and one more story to share with you. Uh, they the president did release his budget, so we'll go through the five healthcare. Uh, winners and eight losers uh, under the the new proposed budget. It's nice to actually have a a budgetary process going on. It's kind of a, a it's new given where we've been the last several years. We'll be right back.